Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur climbing the corporate ladder or a work-from-home parent, you are a boss. If you desire to make your life extraordinary, to reach and exceed your personal and professional goals, and learn from other strong leaders, then the Boss Lady Podcast is for you. As an entrepreneur, mother, wife, and former CEO, I share lessons and stories of both personal and professional successes and failures. Join me along with a diverse list of guests as we break down strategies, tools, and techniques that will enhance your career and your life. Together, we will embrace, empower, and educate each other. I am Teresa Rand, and this is the Boss Lady Podcast. Hello, Boss Lady listeners. I'm so glad that you are here. Whether you are a new listener or a returning listener, I am just glad that you're a listener at all. Uh, I'm only going to give you one commercial, and that is, number one, I am Teresa Rand of the Boss Lady community, as you heard in the introduction. But the commercial is you can find out anything you want to find out about me by going to TeresaRand.com. T-E-R-E-S-A, no H. My mother left the H out of my name on purpose. So you can go to TeresaRandConsulting.com. Find out what you want to find out about my consulting business, about um, our upcoming Women's Leadership Conference, the women's work I do, all of those things. But if you are a returning listener, you know, I don't like to waste time on a lot of commercial. I always like to get to our guests because I happen to think, I have the best guests of any podcast out there. I've met some fascinating people. And the young lady that I'm interviewing or meeting with today that you're going to get the opportunity to hear from is certainly no different than all the others. And uh, she is in Sydney, Australia. So we're recording today, which is Tuesday for me, Tuesday night, and it's Wednesday morning for her. So I I don't know what's going to happen on Wednesday, but maybe she can tell us <laughs> So let me start by reading a little bit of her bio. Lada Hamilton is a change leadership and confidence expert and the founder and CEO of Passion Pioneers and the creator of the Leading Successful Change Program. After tripling her salary in just three years to almost $200,000, her mission is to help millennial women carve their own paths for change in career, leadership, and life to find the confidence and to authentically and truly earn their worth. She has worked with some of Australia's biggest companies on changes that have impacted over 100,000 people. And there's so much more I could say about you. I know you, you've sent me quite a bit of stuff with several different bios, but I want to stop there because there's so much wrapped up into this. So I want to start with talking about the Passion Project. Tell me about that. First of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess for me, like um, as a millennial, I do feel that real sense, I guess, of making an impact, doing work that I believe in, um, doing work that I find really purposeful um, and really fulfilling. I want to make sure as well that I'm sort of being a role model to other people, that I'm inspiring them to be able to do work that switches them on, that lights them up from the inside out as well. And so, um, you know, most of what I focus on is in the space of people. Um, I work in the area of change management and it is about sort of transforming people's experience around change. It's about transforming the way that leaders show up, um, transforming 
the way that we set ourselves up for the future. Um, and for me, like that's what passion is all about. And so I am very much on that sort of fulfillment side. And I also think that um, we should be remunerated properly, that we should be compensated for our efforts, for our work, for the um, value that we bring and that we um, have every right to be paid really well for what we do as well. And, you know, Lana, we were chatting just a little bit before we, we hit record and and I said to you, I three of my all three of my children, or all five of my children, I have three, my husband has two, but are all millennials. And I actually, you know, you hear a lot of negatives. You just do. But that's what old people do. You know, we always think we did it better. <laughs> but what I credit you guys with, you guys being a generic term, men and women, is really saying, no, this is what I want. I want to have a good work-life balance. I want to be able to be flexible because in my day, that wasn't the way it worked. You worked nine to five or whatever hours they told you. And you, especially as a female, you did not talk about you needed to take off for a child or a school play or a doctor's appointment because you were already behind being a female. And, and I think you guys are changing that. You know, everything from you want to more flexibility, you want to be paid what you're worth. You know, we just took a job and negotiating skills weren't, weren't our high points. But talk to me about why even having, even having said all of that, that millennials are still often underpaid and overlooked. Millennials are what ages just for our listeners? Yeah, so they're sort of um, ranging anywhere at the moment. Um, you know, it's 2023, so ranging anywhere from like early 30s, mid 30s, up until sort of like early right. 40s. Yeah. That kind of yeah. covers covers the main yeah. sort of group of millennials, and obviously you've got a few either Perfect. way. Um, so I've got siblings. I've got a sibling who's like eight years older than me, and he would sort of be more right. up in the Gen X yeah. sort of class. Like he's kind of the top end right. of millennials. Right. Um, and at this point in time, I'm 35. So it's it's a very interesting thing. I think that you're absolutely right in terms of we've we've really um, asked for a lot of flexibility. Like the way that we've lived our life has often been very different to some of the generations before us in terms of like, um, you know, when I was going through school and when I was going into like college and university, um, there was more people who were taking gap years who weren't going directly to, to college or to university. They were going off to travel. Um, some people did leave the workforce to sort of start their own business. Like entrepreneurship was just sort of starting at that time too. Um, and then you had people who did go to, to college and then they took their gap year. So that's like what I did. And so you had all of these kind of more diverse career paths, I think at that time. But then what happened is when we actually got into the workforce, there's sort of a bigger generational question at play where the baby boomers are the healthiest that you know, we've ever seen a generation, they've lived the longest that we're sort of seeing because of modern medicine, technology, et cetera. And they've got a really high quality of life. So they've stayed in the workforce yeah. for longer. So like when I was in entering the workforce, the baby boomers were all the people that were in all the senior leadership positions, the board positions, the C-suite, and they still yep. are. <laughs> like, you know, 10 years later, they're still there. And so like gen we'll generation X. Right? We won't go away. Yes, they're still in place. And so I feel really sorry actually for the generation above um, millennials, so Gen X, because they were the managers when I was entering yeah. the workforce. 
And they had done their time already by the time I entered the workforce, but there was nowhere for them to go. So they're seeing these millennials like come up behind them and be like, we want, you know, everything. We want the world at our fingertips. Like, and that's what we were told by our parents. It was like, you know, you can do anything, like whatever you want to do, you can do it. Like that was really the messaging. Whereas I heard once that Gen X was sort of like the the kids of like divorce and daycare. And so like their perspective of the world was, was exactly what you mentioned. You know, it's like, I'm grateful to have this job. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to put my bum up. I'm going to, you know, work hard and really, um, really kind of like grow that career, do my time and, and sort of follow in the footsteps of baby boomers who, absolutely set the foundation and and sort of built that world and that corporate world. They worked their way up. My dad was in one company for 25 years. I watched him get promotion after promotion. I watched him as that was the way that you built your career and built wealth. But the problem with Gen X was that there was nowhere for them to go. And then they had these millennials coming up behind them. And that's why um, for a lot of millennials, a lot of my peers, when we started out in our career, we were really ambitious. We wanted to be leaders. We wanted to like make a difference. We wanted to do all of this. And we did get very stifled. We felt very stuck and we had to find our own paths and alternative ways of doing things. And for me, that was to make the move across from being in like the hierarchy of a company and within a team to actually working on projects. I tripled my salary in the space of three years to earning almost $200,000 because I could go and find that variety, find that challenge, work more flexibly, change jobs, careers, and companies more regularly. So do get all of the things that I loved and take that time off for travel. You know, I could work four days a week if I wanted, because I was being paid a day rate rather than a salary. So we found alternatives, but I think that there is still a trend that millennials are being underpaid and overlooked because of just there isn't room for them to move up, but we are starting to move into those leadership positions. Yeah, and I think there's also a mindset, and I fall, similar to your brother, I fall like on the very last year of a baby boomer. So I tend to have more traits of Generation X than the baby boomers because I was a child of divorce. My mother always worked, all of those things. But then occasionally, you know, I have more of the baby boomer traits. So I go between the two. But every generation always says, you know, well, when I was young, blah, 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 you know, I walked five miles in the snow to school barefoot, you know. <laughs> so I'm in Sydney, Australia, where it's always hot and sunny. <laughs> I tell a lot of my peers, you know, that just makes you sound old. We need to learn from the next generation. Now, the problem is, like you said, we don't want to give up our jobs um, because we are healthier. We are living longer. We, we want to, I mean, all the studies show if you stop using your brain, just like your body, it, it might stop working. My mom worked till she was 79 and she's 84 now and still doing enough volunteer work that she could be working. Um, but she finally gave it up, thankfully, but that's the world we live in. But I think there's room for all of us. You know, there's some pushback and I get it from millennials that, you know, maybe you can't move up the career ladder fast enough because nobody's leaving. But the other side of that coin is there's so much to learn from the ones that are still there, which you could see that as an advantage, right? Um, that you can learn from people because they're not leaving. You've got energy. You've got, you know, the people right there at your fingertips. 
So there's a question in all of this, because I just find this fascinating, but what did COVID do for or against millennials in your opinion? I think it's a, it's an interesting question, actually, and I think that there was probably a few things that happened during COVID for millennials. So one, probably the biggest one, is that we are starting to be at the age where we're um, creating and growing families. So for the first time ever, parents were home with their, you know, infants um, 100% of the time, which had never really happened before, but it was almost like you were given that permission to be at home. So, you know, I've got several friends um, and and my, even my own sisters and family members and things like that who have babies, who have like small small children, and they were able to be one like home 100% of the time, which is not so the normal conditions for working parents. You didn't have to choose, but staying yeah. at home or going to work, you could do both. You could do both. And then I think that set an expectation after COVID where it was like, well, how else would I do this? Like, do you know what I mean? Like I need to have that flexibility in order to be there for my families and I want to be there for my family. So um, that's kind of one thing. The other thing is, is that exactly what you mentioned where we are seeing more of the baby boomers and the Gen X in those leadership positions. Um, millennials actually have a bit of an opportunity to sometimes actually lead change within their organisations because exactly what you mentioned, they um, a lot of those more um, like those other generations, the older generations, they're actually looking for new ways of doing things, new approaches. They, they can sometimes put their hand on the heart on their heart and admit that they're overworked. Right. They're burnt like, out. That, that that maybe the way that they've um, modelled working it hasn't served them well. They've had marriage breakdowns, or they've had real big health issues from the stress from mm-hmm. the overwork. So there is that opportunity for millennials to then almost like coach up a little bit and to actually lead change in their organisations in a new way of doing things. The challenge that came with COVID was that the visibility wasn't yeah, there anymore. Yeah. So because we weren't so in the office. Um, in meetings, bumping into hallways with your senior leaders um, and having those those conversations was then it, like the status quo did kind of continue a lot. There weren't a lot of, a lot of promotions during, during COVID. Um, people like organisations were just looking for the lay of the yeah. land, right? They were just trying to get right. through this crisis. And now what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot more transformation and we are sort of starting to see where those generations can move because I'm seeing like a lot of baby boomers, exactly what you mentioned, they want to stay active, they want to stay relevant, they want to add value, but they don't want to work the 40, 80-hour <laughs> weeks. They don't want to do that anymore. They might not want to retire for me, but they also won't want to work the 40, 80. Yeah. They're like, I've done that my whole right. life. And so it's about finding, I think it's for every generation to find new ways of working, new pathways that can serve them. And I kind of break it down a little bit where for baby boomers, it might be about legacy. So exactly what you mentioned, it might be, how can I maybe transition myself a little bit to retirement and either like my dad, he's gone and found volunteer work outside of, um, outside of the corporate world. He loves right. it. He he absolutely thrives in that environment because he's always loved giving back, helping, sharing. He also does consulting on the side. So he's able to bring in a little bit of this and that, like he does it in his particular area of expertise because he's been in the industry for like a couple of decades, right? He's got that um, authority behind him, that credibility behind him to do a little bit of that on the side and that pays for mum and dad's trips overseas <laughs> sort of thing. Then you've got... Yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. So so that's kind of like what baby boomers can do where it's like 
you oh you might actually coach back into your organization and do mentorship programs or something like that so you are relevant you are adding value you are using your years of expertise and experience to really lead and pave the way for those generations behind you and giving those gen x's the chance to actually start to step up into those really senior leadership roles and not feel like they weren't ever coached and trained to get there. And then for Gen X, it's about starting to really think about, am I moving up? And if I'm not moving up, then are there, like, I'm still young enough to either change careers, like in in the space of 20 years, you can have three to four careers. So you could potentially go into a career that maybe fulfills you more, take those lessons from millennials or um, potentially work in a different way, work part-time, you know, become a consultant or find alternative ways of working. So there's definitely opportunities for everyone. You know, and I have to laugh because, you know, you say, you know, you can have four, five, six jobs in 20 years. Us baby boomers are going, (laughs) (laughs) no, you have to stay, you know, but then the other thing you talk about, you know, I left a 30-year career got a little bit of a retirement and started my own consulting business and my women's organization. So I'm not taking or keeping someone else's job, but I'm still very much viable. I'm very much relevant. And I set my own schedule because you are dead right. I don't want to work a hundred hours a week anymore because I did that for a long time. And that's why I think what the millennials are doing is is fabulous we shouldn't have to work that way and we should be able to know ask and expect that we can take our own kid to the doctor or to the soccer field or whatever the case may be and you and I briefly talked about you know in work-life balance health you know a lot of times if you had a health issue you had to go on leave where you didn't get paid or or you tried to gut it out and you lost your job or, you know, and now you can be open and honest and companies, smart companies, smart companies are figuring out, okay, you're a valuable employee. So I need to give you this time, whatever that looks like, and we can figure it out. And I know you've been experiencing some of that in your own world, right? You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pretty open and honest about health and you're, you've hit the nail on the head. Like my dad, <laughs> when, when I was like going into the corporate world and stuff like that, he was like, you don't talk about health. That's you don't talk about money. Um, and that was, yeah, it was the mentality, right? Because it could be held, it could be yep. used against and you. Would. It could be that bias that's used against you for promotions or, you know, whatever. And, and in many cases it is still like, you know, illegal to necessarily for a boss to, I guess, like ask about wow. that especially in the interview and recruitment process. But like, I think nowadays we, we want to bring our whole selves to work. And it's almost like um, when we talk openly about the experiences that we're going through and we all have diverse experiences and backgrounds. And when we talk about that, we start to, to feel that way where it's like, we're not in it alone and we're not the only ones going through this and that there are opportunities and, um, available pathways for me, no matter what I'm experiencing. So for me personally, it's endometriosis. I um, had experienced pain for the last few years. I um, always just thought it was down to digestive issues. And then last year I actually um, had a surgery and got an actual diagnosis of endometriosis. And that has been life-changing for me because 
I now don't blame myself. I don't guilt myself. I don't, I don't hold myself to, to standards that maybe in my twenties, I was like, Oh, I can run around and do X, Y, Z and do it all. And, you know, like have this like really, really like crazy lifestyle. Cause I, I really, my dad would say to me like, Oh, you know, you're burning the candle at both yeah. ends. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> and, and now I'm like, I'm not lazy. And I'm not crazy. I actually have this condition and I'm going to, I'm going to start to transform my life and my lifestyle and the way that I work to support me in my health rather than be trying to always push against it. And so like, that's where flexible work, where you maybe you're working on projects or, um, so for example, if you're working on projects, you might work for six months and then take a few months off and that's your, your break and your, your kind of your downtime. Or you might go, look, I'm going to work and because I'm being paid a day rate or you might do this in a salaried position. I'm going to work three days a week rather than five. Or I'm going to work four hours a day instead right. of eight. So like really making those decisions of what works for you and where your best energy lies. So for me, it's my mornings um, and I work for myself now. But even if I worked, um, you know, as a contractor, I would still be taking a lot of flexibility and time off. For other people, it might be family. For other people, it might be travel. So I also take off a lot of time for travel um, and or anything that is in your life that you want to create flexibility for. And what I would say is, is that you can have both. You can have the flexibility and right. you can have the fantastic pay as well. It's all about how you set yourself up and earn you what know, you're What worth. we're finding is, as more recent studies are coming out is that all the things you just described, whether I want to travel, whether I have health issues, I had a baby, whatever the case may be, when the employer accepts those and allows, for lack of a better word, those, they have a much better and more loyal employee as opposed to, no, you have to be here. You have to be in the office Monday through Friday, nine to five or whatever the case may be. You know, you have to take PTO if you're going to take a child to the doctor, whatever. I think those days are gone for companies that are going to remain viable. And I would guess, and this is a question, in your the change management work that you do, because so many companies are still led by baby boomers, um, the, I would hope that it's the smart ones that are calling you saying, okay, the world has changed. It not, it, it's not is changing. It has changed. And if I want to stay relevant and viable and run this company, I need to change too. So I, is that what a lot of your change, and you don't even call it, you call it change leadership more than change management. So define the differences, Lada, between those two. Yeah, absolutely. So traditional change management has been around for a couple of decades. Mm-hmm. It really came out when um, projects were very planned. So when you were doing big, big projects in an organization, you could have them be very planned, very sequential. Now, as you as you just mentioned, Teresa, it's like there's so much change. Things are changing all the time. Um, you know, the pace of technology, the pace of innovation, um, and then just external factors and what's happening in our world, whether that's economic, whether that's, you know, pandemic, whatever it happens to be, there's just so much change. And so traditional change management was very kind of like sequential, like you followed a process which fitted when you could have a planned Mm -hmm. project. But now we need to be flexible. We need to be fluid. We need to use what's fit for purpose in the moment, what's practically going to add the most value right now. 
So when something's changing in a workplace, it could be a new process system, team structure, you know, change management is just moving people from doing things in one way to doing things in a new way. And so now I like to talk more about change leadership where instead of change management tools, concepts, and methodologies being in the hands of the few change managers who work on projects, any leader can be bringing this Mm -hmm. into their leadership. Any leader can be using these tools to help have a focus on people and how we transform the experience of people to have them feel inspired, informed, confident, and ready for changes that are coming to them in the workplace. And so it is this broader aspect, but then what you also get as you picked up, it's like we have then the opportunity to start to give those tools and almost coach up a little bit to some of those generations above us, Gen X, baby boomers, in terms of the way that they lead. And I think that there's been a lot of companies who have done a lot of great work in the area of flexibility. Mm -hmm. Um, There might be companies that have more, more time to go, like more space to go. But where I see the future of work heading and the future of job design, this is my prediction, I think there is going to be a lot more value, sorry, a lot more focus put on the value that somebody brings rather than the time that they spend, rather than sitting there at their desk for eight hours a day and the output being X. It's like, okay, even if you worked three hours, but the output was X, Y, Z, it's like that's more valuable to organizations. But the problem is, is that the way that our industrial relations laws work, the way that we compensate people is still time for money. So we need to really radically kind of transform that right. thinking. Sorry, and how many widgets did you produce? If you were supposed to produce this many, but if I can produce those in 30 hours instead of 40, you just increase it instead of saying, that's a great job, then only work four days a week. You know, there's this whole dichotomy of what's expected and what it really boils down to the people. And you said that it's appreciating the people that you work with for and around. It's making sure people have the opportunity to work a job that fits them. Doesn't mean they're not responsible for goals. They're not responsible for achievements, but one person may can get that done in a very different manner than the person next to them. So as long as they're getting it done and they're bringing you value, I've had two recent clients who thought they were going to need to leave their job to do X, Y, Z, whatever. And I coached both of them on going back to their employer and saying, here's what I want to do. And just laying it out. And one of them was allowed to keep the same job she had, but do the side gig on the side, no conflict of interest. The other one, because she didn't like the work hours and the intensity and the being on call, they let her create her own new job and hired somebody for her position because she was that valuable. But we're afraid to ask, Mm -hmm. right? We're afraid to say, here's Mm -hmm. the value I bring, which, you know, you've got a whole set of information over here about knowing the value you bring so that you get paid for it. But we're afraid to toot our own horn, if you will, right? Do you see that a lot where we're so afraid we're going to lose our job or they're they're not going to let us have what we want that we don't even ask? We don't even know our own value. Therefore, we don't ask for what we need and we expect our bosses or our clients to be mind readers. Would that be fair? Absolutely. 
Absolutely agree, Teresa. And I think for millennial women, especially, especially as they're starting to start families and um, even like a lot of women that I've spoken to and some of my own clients in the past, like they really have um, when they've had a baby and when they've taken that time out of the workforce, when they go to return to work and reintegrate, their confidence is just Mm. gone. And so it's like now more than ever, it's the opportunity for millennial women to build their confidence and ideally do it before you going away for a, for a while, whether that is travel work, babe, you know, travel side hustle um, or starting a family, build that confidence, really understand what value you bring, the skills that you have, the transferable skills that you have. So you're not locked into a single position, a single role with a single title that you can go in multiple pathways because your transferable skills will open up those pathways for you. And I always define transferable skills as skills that you can use in any job, any company, any industry, any country. So like understanding what those transferable skills look like, understanding what you want, because what you want is the most important thing. It's like there's no point going to your boss asking for X, Y, Z when that's not going to actually fulfill you. And then the value that you're worth. Absolutely. Yeah. And so many people, and I was among these when I left my 30 year career and I hired a business coach. I was like, I don't really have any skills that anybody will want to hire for. And my coach, who happened to be a millennial, by the way, she might have been a little, maybe a Jeanette said, Are you kidding me? I was like, No. And then I listed all these things and we got a business plan and, you know, the rest is history. But we tend to think that we're only stuck in one industry. And our skills will work. You know, I wasn't going to be a brain surgeon, so I didn't need those kind of skills. But I had a lot of skills that transferred into so many different arenas. And I think that's a very, very valuable lesson. And then, you know, as we we kind of come to a close, I think there is value in... People your age, women for this scenario, and people my age, actually having a conversation like we're having, what is it that you, baby boomer, are doing that's causing me problems? (laughs) And vice versa. Instead, we talk to our own generation about the problems the other generations are causing. And that's not going to come find any solutions, right? Until we talk to each other in the workforce, because we're all going to be in the workforce together, I think, for a long time. I don't think this phenomenon of three or four generations is going to change. Do you? No, I think if we're living longer and there's so much value that we want to keep adding and we do want to make that impact, you're absolutely right. I think think we're already hitting four or five generations and I think it will continue that way. So So it is understanding and awareness and appreciation and gratitude um, and being really open to listen and learn. Yeah, absolutely. That's the key. Being opening, open to listening and learning. And quite frankly, I can say this because I'm the old older person here. I think more of that onus is on us because we've already been successful. We already have been leaders and we think we know it all. And so I think most of the listening needs to come from us. Not to say that millennials don't need to listen to. We can teach you guys something. <laughs> We're too busy eating our avocado toast <laughs> and going on trips to Europe. <laughs> we can teach you something. 
But I really think we need to be listening more. My opinion, I'm sure there's some baby boomers going to be listening to this thinking I'm nuts, but that's okay. Um, This is fascinating conversation. You know, being around younger people has always energized me um, because I do, I, I like watching younger people, the energy and the excitement and the knowledge and all of those things. And it only makes me a better human being. So thank you for what you're doing, for, you know, getting out there and teaching this change leadership, because that's way more important, Lana, than change management. If we don't change the leader, it doesn't matter really at the end of the day if the project gets done, because we're going to burn through people. And so I love what you're doing. And I thank you for being on the podcast. This has been a lot of fun. And I wish you great, great health. My mother suffered from endometriosis. So I know a little about that. So I wish you great health as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And and what I'd say to any millennials who are listening, it's like step into your power, step into your leadership, step into your light. You have the opportunity now, like as we're stepping into leadership to really transform the way that our world is set up for the future. Um, And if you do want to sort of build that confidence and earn your worth, then what I'd really say is just come and find my, I've got this like underpaid and overlooked coaching action guide. And it's got my five-step career change formula to um, earn your worth, to, to have your confidence and earn your worth. So you can find that at latahamilton.com slash worth it. But I, I think like no matter what generation you are, no matter what you're about to do, that real key is really confidence. It's about having the confidence to know who you are, what value you bring, what you want, and then what you're worth. Well said. And all of those links, I'm so sorry, I always ask my guests where we can find you. So I'm glad you did that. But all of the links plus the link to your idea guide will be in the show notes. So all you've got to do, if you're listening, is scroll down those show notes, find the link and click and you can connect to Lada. And it may be tomorrow, it may be yesterday. I don't know what day it'll be. But we've been corresponding enough that I do know she will respond to you. So thank you, dear, for being on the show. And I will end tonight's show, like I end every show that I do, with my grandfather saying that he always told us when he was alive, and that was to stop and take time to smell the roses. So until we meet again, take care. Bye.